0: Well, uh, welcome to the Kapow Radio Show on a beautiful Monday, March 25th, 2019. Yes, we all survived the uh, supermoon and the equinox, all the celebrations, whatnot. Hey, uh, today I want to talk about something interesting. And I want to talk about that narrow path. That narrow path we all need to take. Now, a lot of times, a lot of times, we'll look at this scripture in Matthew. Matthew chapter seven about entering through the narrow gate. And a lot of times we'll look at that and we'll we'll apply it, and it does apply to the world. It, it really does. It applies to the to the greater. Uh, people out there that are not in Christ or non-believers, you know, that that haven't come to that uh, that truth in their lives. And there's a big, broad, broad, broad area in the world. When I say the world, I'm talking about society. I'm talking about this matrix, this phony system that has been implemented by the fallen ones, by the fallen angels. And they run society. They run our culture, they run life down here. We're on a prison planet we really are and we're on probation and we have to find our way out we got to fight our way out and uh, we find that truth in God through his holy begotten Son and we find our and we and we, work, we work out our salvation we work it out we strive and we continually learn we grow in wisdom and intelligence and in knowledge and we we fight our way out and we and as the more the more you're opened to this the more you hate the world you hate the things of the world you live here we all live here we all have to do things here but you're not part of it you 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 disdain it you see right through it and because of that it's a lot easier for you to long for the real world, your real Garden of Eden, the real paradise, the real heaven, the real New Jerusalem. You long for eternal life. And when you put off all of this toil and work and evil and destruction in hardship, and live eternally in truth. That's what you long for. And the more you put off the world, the more you long for it, the more you see it. And it's, it's not so easy to get entangled in the things of the world as you gain that wisdom. And we're all in different areas on our journey, in different paths. People are at different places. And I just, uh, it's my prayer that most people that are confessing Jesus Christ will soon realize that there's nothing in this world for them and that their eternal salvation is all that matters, is that we, that we do get on that bus and then we do depart from this place when it is time. And we will, it will, it, we will all depart from it one way or the other. You'll depart from it with death, physical bodily death, or through rapture, resurrection. But you know you're going to depart from it, and that's what we need to prepare ourselves for. But let's go and uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14. And Jesus is talking, and he says, Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the road is easy that leads to destruction. For there are many who take it. But in relation, see, to this narrow gate, he says, For the gate is narrow, and the road is hard that leads to life. Talking about eternal life. And there are few who find it. All right. So he's telling his listeners and his readers 2,000 years later to enter through the narrow gate, the narrow opening. And he says that this gate is narrow, but not only is it narrow, kind of hard to get in. Because it's, it's small. But that the road that leads from this narrow, narrow gate is hard. Easy. Okay? He's telling us that. It's hard. It's hard. This narrow road, this narrow gate and this hard road leads to life. Life life eternal. And what he says is that there's few, there's few of us, there's few of us humans that actually find it. They find it. There's a lot that do see it, but, oh, I'm not taking that path. That's too, that's too hard. It's too rough. Turn it back. There's few who find it. He does not say there's alternative roads to eternal life. He only talks about this one path, this one road through this narrow gate. On the opposite end, he says that the way to destruction, which is opposite of life, the way to destruction, not just death, we're talking permanent death, permanent eternal destruction for all eternity. He's not talking about your 70, 80 years here on this earth, talking about a permanent, eternal destruction, that road that leads to that kind of destruction, he says is wide. It's very broad. It's very wide. And the road that leads from that big, wide, huge gate, it's easy, easy peasy, easy traveling it. And we all know because we're in this world, we've worked in this world, we do work in this world, we're in and out, we participate in the world, we have to get loans, you get home loans, you get auto loans, you go to school, you go to university, you go to the doctor, you go to the medical uh, facilities, you are you go to court, you deal with judges, you're in the world, you buy, you sell, you're on the internet, you're on Amazon, blah, 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 over and over again. And you all know that this this gate, for success in this world. The gate is large. You know, and there's a lot of people on that road clamoring for success, clamoring for more money, clamoring for more sex, clamoring for more rock and roll, more life abundant here on this earth. And that's not the case. This is not what Christ taught. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what early Christianity in ancient Judaism teaches. Early Christianity in ancient Judaism believed that the road to eternal life was hard, that it wasn't easy. And a lot of times we look at this scripture and we go, yes, it's for the world, the world out there in general. They have a hard time finding eternal life. But you know, this it goes beyond that. And I'm going to show you this in a little bit. This is talking to us, it's talking to you, it's talking to you, the Christian, the one who's a believer. You confess Jesus Christ with your mouth. You believe that he's the Son of God unto salvation. Once you do that and you enter into that small gate. What now proceeds is a very difficult path in this prison, in this prison planet. It's not a popular message. And unfortunately, uh, there's many false teachers out there in Christianity and in the church uh, under pastorships and uh, leadership that teach a different doctrine. That's not the doctrine of the Bible, of the early Christians ancient Judaism. It's unfortunate because it leads people uh, very astray, very astray. Let me give you an example. When I first came back to uh, the Lord in in the year 2006 and had a real experience with with God, got kicked in the face, got knocked off the donkey, so to speak, on the Damascus Road, And went through some real, real difficult times spiritually to get to a place where I realized there's only one true God, one real God. And, you know, I don't want to just give a a plug for the book, but if you don't know my testimony and where I came from and what I was all about before and why I do what I do today and how I speak the way I, I speak and why I speak the way I speak, it's all documented in the book, Demons in My Marriage Bed. That whole process is documented what happened. And uh, I literally was haunted. I literally was demonized uh, to a great, great, great extent because I had opened myself up to these things. But in the process of being healed and delivered, I was taken to school and learned about spiritual warfare and learned about spiritual things. And my eyes begin to open and they continue to be opened even today as daily as as Ms. Kapow and I go through life and through our our Bible reading and script, we always are talking about the word of the Lord and what we've discovered and what God has shown us and the connections between Old Testament and New Testament, between ancient Jewish writings and New Testament writers and their mindset and what they believed and how they see God and God, you know, if something confuses us, you know, it's like God, you know, if you get a chance, if you could just kind of show us what that's all about, you know, if it'd be your will, um, you know, and he will, he'll, he'll give us insight. And sure enough, it's the correct answer, the correct way. And he will guide you through all your paths in life if you live for him, if you, those commandments are written in your heart right? They're on your flesh and you obey God and you live. He will guide you and direct you and lead you in all wisdom. But believe me, folks, it's still not, it's not easy peasy. It's not about easy peasy. It's about you learning so that when you, on that final day, obtain your reward of eternal life through the work of Jesus Christ, on that day, that God who is a holy God, who has no sin in him or no darkness in him or about him, can welcome you eternally into his kingdom. You see, the scripture in Revelation, it's clear in Revelation all over the scriptures. But this one in particular talks about no liar, no cheater, no dog, you know, no no sodomite, no... Uh, you know, a fornicator. I mean, all this stuff, they're, gonna, they're not going to enter, but their place will be in outer darkness and torment, gnashing of teeth. It's clear, and for us not to realize that is just plain stupidity on our part and lack of wisdom because that is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. There's one way and that narrow path is difficult it's not like oh it can be uh, you can make it harder than it needs to be you can make it easy you, there, it's not it's not there is no such thing as you become a christian and then hey i uh, you know i'm now a pastor of a church and i get a salary and i'm a leader and you know my my people worship me and they love me and I can just kind of, you know, rest on my lower laurels now and just teach and do God's will and collect money and blah, 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 and it's all over, and I'm the, I'm the guy. And it, that's, not, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to perfect that which is within you. For that seed that the Holy Spirit has planted in you has to be nurtured, has to be watered, it has to be manicured, it has to be trimmed, it grows, and sometimes it has to be pruned for it to get new growth. It is not easy-peasy, and it should never be easy-peasy down here because you don't belong down here. This ain't where you want to be. This ain't where you want to stay. You do what you do because God has put you here. God has a work for you. And God blesses you while you're here, but it's not about prosperity or you know you know just God blessings and you know all the good stuff. There's some rough, rough things you need to go through because you have to learn. Now the scriptures are also very clear about discipline and says that God treats us as children. See, it's not like children today. Um, today, you, there's no discipline on kids, you know. Uh, parents uh, will just give their kid a timeout, you know. Sit them in the corner, time out. You know, times past, there was a rod or a belt or something you, that you, there was physical punishment. There was pain associated with negative behavior. See, and the reason why that was is to stop that negative behavior. The Bible says, "Spoil." Spare the rod, and you spoil the child. The Bible says that. Spare the rod. And I'm not talking child abuse. I'm talking about discipline. I'm talking about you discipline your children because you love them, because you don't want them to grow up being stupid. You want them growing up wise and fruitful. It's for their benefit, you know, for their benefit. But today... That's not happening because, well, you know, now the Satanists have got into it, the courts have got into it, and oh my God, you know you, you're going to hit a kid in public man. They're going to call the police on you, and you know, it's a major deal. You can't blame these people for um, not disciplining their children anymore, because basically it's against the law. And, um, but you see, there's repercussions for that. The whole agenda, one of the big agendas of Satan is to destroy the family unit which he's done marvelously, has taken away that family unit. He's destroyed the father, the male figure. He's destroyed the mother. And the children are being raised in satanic education systems, and they're being raised, well, in my generation, they were raised by TV. In this generation, they're raised by the internet, by their iPads and phones, and by technology. And it destroys... That unit which provides guidance and wisdom for children. When young people have a baby and you see a couple and they're in their twenties and they're just babies themselves and then they have children, there's no manual that comes with these kids. There's no, here's how you do it, one, two, three, four, bam, and everything's gonna be fine. Here's how you put it together. They they learn they have to learn how to raise that kid on their own, right? But if they have a mother and a father, if they have in laws, father in law and mother in law, they had grandparents and they have uncles and aunts, you know, aunties, and they have a a village. The whole village raises the kid. They have a family unit. Well, that mother then helps that young mother, right? That grandmother then helps that young mother because they've been there. They've learned that. They pass on that wisdom and that knowledge. When you destroy that, there's nothing left but you reinventing the will. And then with all the satanic garbage out there in entertainment and in music and in the Internet, I mean, all around us, in the school system, the judicial system, you can't properly raise a kid in the ways of the Lord. The Bible says, trade up a child in the way he shall go. And when he's old, they will not depart from it. See, it's discipline. It's discipline. God treats us as his children. That's a privilege. And he grows us and teaches us wisdom through the discipline process. Now, let me ask you this rhetorical question. If God loves you, he loves you so much that he became flesh and died for you. It says, you are my son, you are my adopted son, and I want you to live a holy, eternal life with me. But you need, you need to discipline yourself and you need to learn things down here before you can make that transition. Um, sin will never enter my heaven again, so I gotta make sure that you're faithful and true, that you will, will follow the lamb forever, on your own, your own free will, not because anybody forced you. Or because you were created without a, a will. No. And because he loves you and he sees that you need to be disciplined and guided in an area, and he provides that guidance and that discipline. What do you think happens if you don't adhere to that discipline? What do you think happens? I'll tell you what happens. It happens again. And it happens again. And it happens again. And it can be more severe. It could be more hard. Because he's trying to get you not to be a rebellious son or daughter. But he's trying to get you to be a wise son and daughter. To open your eyes. To be smart. To gather his discernment and wisdom. Because he loves you as a child. He's not going to discipline you and then just let you continue on being an idiot. All right? There's a certain point where you get in major, major rejection of God and you keep rejecting the Holy Spirit and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That's when you blaspheme the Spirit of God and say, I do not want your discipline. And you shake your fist to heaven and you say, Leave me alone. I don't want to do this. And when you do this, and you go, God, you're mean to me. I don't want nothing to do with you. I walk away. When you do this, and you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and he departs from you, you'll no longer be a son or a daughter, but you'll be a child of the devil. You'll be reprobate, and you will spend eternal torment in a place that was not prepared for you, in a place that was prepared for Satan and his fallen angels. It was never prepared for you. So we have to heed these things. And the road is is narrow. It's tight. It's treacherous. It's hard. And I was telling a story before I got on all of this back in 2006 when I was just a child and God came back to the Lord and I was sitting at a at a church, a totally apostatized pagan church, for a year, learning discipline and learning right or wrong. But God, that's where God had me, had us. And um, this was a purpose driven, new age, you know, a God mega church. If you're not from Southern California, you may not be able to relate to a lot of these things. Because not all churches in the nation are like this. But in Southern California, we have a lot of big mega churches. They're big businesses. There's almost a church uh, where I'm from. Uh, there's like a church in almost every, you know, uh, you know business complex. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, there's just, you know, there's hundreds of churches within a 20-mile square radius. But they're they're all basically the same. They all do the same formula. And they'll have they have the best rock bands you can imagine and um, the best shows you can imagine, and they're giving you a false gospel because they want the the money and the attendance. This was one of those churches that I attended, and it was uh, totally purpose driven, Hillsong you know type of type of uh, the God Church, uh, rock concert you know I I played in the worship team there and I, I played to fifteen hundred to two thousand people every weekend. It was a big deal. A lot of people went to this church. It was uh, in a poor part of town, kind of in a little ghetto part of town. It was packed. And these people loved the more positive message. They don't want the harder message. And the pastor at one point was talking about the scripture that, you know, where Jesus says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. And in his sermon, he said that that was life now, not life later on that Christ promised you to give you life, abundant life, right now. And as a Christian, you could live victorious, abundant life right now, right here. And I was very young in the Lord you know, when I heard this, but I knew it was wrong. I already knew it was wrong because God, Christ, never said, love this world and be abundant in this world and grow in this world, and I will give you abundance in this world, and I'll give you prosperity Never mind the streets of gold up in heaven. You're going to get streets of gold right down here. Never mind a dwelling place I prepare for you. You're going to get that dwelling place down here. And I knew it was wrong. It was a false doctrine, but the people loved it. It tickled their ears. They loved to hear that stuff. And that's why the church failed and it continues to fail and they go through leadership and people never grow in the Lord and they never really come to the full knowledge of Christ because... They don't understand what that means. They've never really embraced the true doctrines and gospel of Jesus Christ that's contained in the Bible and in ancient Judaism. And that's a shame because they've been lied to and they've accepted that lie because that life feels good. It feels a lot better than what I'm about to tell you that the road is hard. It feels a lot better to think that life is abundant when you know it's not, when you know you're struggling on this earth. So it's unfortunate that those kind of things happen. But Jesus Christ said himself that, Jesus Christ himself said to enter through the narrow gate that the road is hard that leads to life and the few find it. The other road's big. So I'm going to take you back to an ancient Jewish writing in 4 Edra for Ezra okay some call it for Ezra's um sometimes it's second Ezra's for Ezra I'm gonna take you back to this writing I'm gonna read you something here and a lot of times you know when you when you read something in the New Testament obviously a lot of times in the New Testament the Pauline writings or even sayings of Jesus I don't understand that what is he talking about uh, the uh, <laughs> a vast majority of time it's harking back to an ancient writing that's not included in your Bible folks it's It's harking back to ancient Jewish texts that were written. It was the mindset of the ancient jew that's how they thought when these things were written and of course the New Testament writers are Jewish writers Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Jew's Jew. Of course he read these things. Of course he understood these things. And so when he writes in the New Testament, what is he talking about? It's because we haven't been exposed to ancient Jewish writings, ancient Judaism. We haven't been exposed to that. We've only been exposed to the 66 books we have because at some point in history, in the fourth century AD, a groups of men got together and decided what was inspiration and what wasn't. They decided what you should read and what you shouldn't read. They decided for all of us what was of God and what wasn't of God. I want you to think about that real hard because you grew up in a, tra- in a tradition thinking that that was correct, but it's not correct. God's word is God's word. The scriptures say that all Scripture is written for inspiration and guidance, not just the ones that are canonized. And because we're ignorant of God's words that He gave His people and His prophets that are not included in our canonized Bible, because we're ignorant of God's words, we fail to see things clearly like prophecy, the Messiah the return of the Messiah and how we should live. We fail to see these things because we're untaught and we're ignorant because men would rather tickle your ears and give you doctrines of demons or doctrines of an easy life or a motivational speech than tell you the truth. in 4 Ezra chapter 7 6 through 14 It's like a little parable here. Let me read this to you. It says there is a city built and set on a plain. And it is full of all good things. Picture that, folks, okay? I'm going to narrate as I, as, I, as I read this because I need to clarify stuff. I want you to get this in your, in your spirit. There is a city built and set on a plain and it's full of good things. I want you to visualize this beautiful city. It's a beautiful, picture something God would create, the foundations of the city. It is gorgeous and it's on a plain. What does that mean? It's flat. There's no hills. There's no valleys. There's no rough spots. It's just, mm, it's nice. It's nice. And what is this city full of? It's full of good things. There's nothing bad in it. It's only good. Mm. It's, <laughs> this is nice, right? And the writer of Ezra, for Ezra, goes on and says, but the entrance to it is narrow and set in a precipitous place. So that there is fire on the right hand and deep water on the left. There is only one path lying between them. That is between the fire and the water. So that only one person, one person now can walk on the path. You got that in your head? Beautiful city, full of good things on the plain. It's outstanding. But guess what? It's hard to get there because the entrance to that city is very narrow, and it's a dangerous road. It's hard and dangerous. When you look to your right, there's nothing but fire. There's a volcano down there. One slip, and you're in that fire. And you look to your left, oh, my God, it's a raging sea, ocean, craggly rocks, sharks. One slip to the left, man, you're, you're down And it's so narrow, you can't walk shoulder to shoulder with somebody. Your pastor, your religious leader, your spiritual guide can't hold your hand. You're on your own. You gotta walk yourself. And it's scary and hard and rough. This is what the ancient Jews believed. This ain't something I'm making up. This is what they believed. This is from 4 Ezra. This is ancient Jewish writings. This is their mindset. This is truth. This is what God had given this writer. Anything else you hear about easy is not true. Anything else you hear about, well, God's so mean to me. He must hate me. I'm going through all these trials. That's, that's not true. That's because your doctrine is not correct. You need to correct your doctrine so the Lord can discipline you as a child and then you can grow and learn. That's why these hardships are happening. Let me continue. Only one person can walk on the path. And the writer continues and says, if now the city is given to someone as an inheritance, picture, that's you. Okay, let's just say that's you and me. That city's ours. Someone gave that to you as an inheritance. Hey, dude, this is yours, man. Look at all the good. It's on a plane, man. Look at the view you have. This is one heck of a city. It's all yours. But guess what? How are you going to get there? How are you going to receive your inheritance? Because there's only one way to it. You've got to pass through the appointed danger. And that's what this writer says. If now the city is given to someone as an inheritance, how will they receive the inheritance? Unless by passing through the appointed danger. There's only one way, man. You can't go the back way. You can't go by helicopter. There's no such thing. You've got to go through this very narrow path to get to the good stuff. How much moxie do you have? And I think that's the question here. And so the writer says, I said, that's right, Lord. And he said to me, so also is Israel's portion. Israel, don't think of the nation of Israel. Do not think of the nation of Israel you are Israel. There is no Jew nor Gentile, nor Greek, no barbarian in Christ the Messiah. The walls are broken down. You are Israel. Israel is you. Israel is called out. You are the called out one. You are Israel. You're the Gentile, you're the barbarian, you're the Greek. You're one in Christ. You understand that? So when he says so also is Israel's portion. He's talking to you. To you. And the Lord goes on and tells Ezra, for I made the world for their sake, Israel, your sake, for humans. And when Adam transgressed my statutes, what had been made was judged. You see, Romans says that, in Romans, it says that the creation groans for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation itself groans for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation was judged because of Adam's transgression, because of the disobedience of God's law. We have now been thrown into this prison planet and we're all born into this realm where we never should have been, folks. That's why we've got to prove our way out. It is a hard, difficult, toilsome time down here. But there's a bright city on the plain, and we got to keep our eyes focused on that. Don't look to the fire on the right or the sea on the left. Stay on the path. So it continues and it says, for I made the world for their sake and when Adam transgressed my statues, what had been made was judged. And so the entrances of this world, this beautiful city he made, were made narrow and sorrowful and toilsome. They are few and evil full of dangers, and involved in great hardships. What is, that, what is that telling us? Saying the same thing Christ said. Do you think our Messiah may have been familiar with four Esdras? Do you think perhaps he inspired Ezra to write this? but we're going to let a group of men or groups of men dictate to us what is the words of God. It's time for all of us to put down our tradition and our religion and embrace the true doctrines of God because that's the only thing that's true. Let us grow up. Let us open our eyes and sit up straight and awake to the wisdom that God wants to give all of us. But we have to shed that nonsense. Right here, the Lord is telling Ezra that the entrances of the world that he made for us are narrow now. It's sorrowful. You're going to have problems here. It's toilsome. You're going to work six days and then have one day of rest. They are few. They are evil. They're full of dangers. There's great hardships. And then he says, but the entrances of the greater world, that's not Satan's world. He's talking about the city on the plain. The city on the plain is the greater world. He says but the entrances of the greater world that city on the plain are broad and safe and yield the fir- the fruit of immortality so when you get there when you get to where you're going then you're going to be safe then you won't have fire on the right uh, sea on the left then you'll be able to walk shoulder to shoulder then it will be broad and safe and beautiful, and but you gotta get there. And it goes on and God says to Ezra, the Lord says to Ezra, therefore, unless the living, that's you and I, pass through the difficult and futile experiences, futile experiences, difficult and futile experiences. You probably had a few today already. Unless... The living pass through the difficult and futile experiences; they can never, ever, never, ever, ever receive those things that have been reserved for them. Okay, this is ancient Jewish writing. This is the thought process. This is what they perceived as truth from God, and we, two thousand years later, can't go preach in a sermon saying. I want abundant life and I want it here now and God's gonna give me prosperity and mark, 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 mark. You can't. It, it, those are doctrines of devils. Therefore, unless the living pass through the difficult and futile experiences, they can never receive those things that have been reserved for them. It's hard Enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction and there are many who take it, many. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. There are few who find it. Let's be part of the few, folks. It's not easy. It's not easy peasy. You're gonna have these problems. These things are gonna come your way you got to work through it. You can't lean on your own understanding, but you got to lean on the understanding of God. you got to ask for his guidance. And you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid of the spiritual and the supernatural. When you're being attacked, when that demon comes in and binds you and lies to you and binds you, that's right, it binds you as the strong man of your house. And when that demon comes to you and binds you, and now you're like, oh, I don't believe, and I'm I don't know, I think I read an article, I might, and it binds you, then it can plunder you. And the more it plunders you, the weaker you become. You cannot let the demons bind you. You bind them. What you bind in heaven shall be bound in earth, says Messiah. You bind them. But because people do not believe in the supernatural, they don't believe in the spiritual, they don't believe that everything is spiritual that happens to them, they allow demons to bind them and put illness on them, put mental problems on them, put financial problems on them, on and on and on. The road is hard, it's small, it's narrow, it's tough, it's dangerous, my friends. You look to the right, it's horrible. Look to the left, it's, oh my gosh, this is horrible stuff. Listen to Freedom Friday. Listen to Freedom Friday. It's horrible, horrible down here. But we gotta go through it because on the plane is that city. And once we get there, man, it's gonna be sweet, sweet deal. But God's a holy God. You gotta get there. You gotta get there. You get there by the grace of Christ, right? but it's not a magic pill. You have to work out your salvation. You have to understand and grow in Christ. You're a child. You're disciplined by God, and he grows you in wisdom, and you get mature in stature in God. Even Peter gives you an outline of all these things you you lay as foundations, knowledge, wisdom, right? Patience, goodness, gentleness. These are fruits of the Spirit, folks. You don't just say a little prayer and it's over. You know that. You have to embrace the law that's written in your heart. Embrace it. The biggest, the biggest advice I can give everybody listening is let go of the traditions. Let go of the traditions of men and really think everything out. Why do I only have 66 books? Why didn't I know this before? Why did no, no one ever tell me about 4 Ezra? Why did no one ever read that to me? And uh, clearly, clearly, it was written, but you know, I don't know, six to 800 years before Christ. I mean, it was the Babylonian uh, captivity. You know, at least 500 years before Christ. But yet clearly Christ, Christ teaching there that parable there that he gave clearly is harking back to that writing. Don't you think that would be important to read that whole writing? But traditions of men, these doctrines of demons, have prevented us from, from having our eyes clearly opened. And that time is ended. It's got to end, folks. Because we're at a time now, there's no more time to waste. Both our personal life and the life down here. There's no more time to waste. There is no more time. This is it. The time's up. Jig is up. We get it or we don't get it. I implore you, put down tradition. Question your tradition. How did the ancient Jews see things? How did the early church view these things? And Do what's right do what's doctrinally right and that's it for today we'll talk to you guys uh, on Friday good night Put the bottle back on the ship. Life was a thrill. You knew tomorrow would be better still. Things have changed, you're much older now. If you're unhappy and you don't know how, why don't you look in?